Star jump sequence terminates, Captain. Get the gravitational dampers online and open the blast aye, shield. Aye, sir. Bring us in closer. Aye, aye, sir. Moving us in on sublight drive. Extreme magnification. Aye, sir. The center of the galaxy. And there's our black hole. The experience of a lifetime, Captain. Let me put this on audio. You should be able to hear the magnetic resonance. This is it, ladies and gentlemen. The edge of time and space where the impossible can happen. Welcome to the event horizon. Good morning, or afternoon, or evening, whatever is relevant for the part of the world you are in. Indeed, welcome to the Event Horizon, where the impossible happens. Join us each week at this time as we delve into the worlds of science fiction, fantasy, and science fact in all their forms. I'm your host, Gene Turnbow. And I am your other host, Susan Fox. And tonight, our guest is the Klingon pop warrior, Jen Ucellus McKay. Welcome to the show. Hi, you guys. It's nice to be back. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to have Thank you. It's nice to have you back. Uh, the last time you were with us, you had just, uh, you had just finished uh, recording your first album, and you're getting ready to record a second one. It's true. <laughs> What's the yeah, name? Yeah, uh, we're, we're, we're well underway. I'm running the Kickstarter right now. And, um, yeah, this weekend, actually, we're going to be going into the recording studio to, to do the, the actual recordings. Okay, let's just make sure people hear early and often, Kickstarter. Kickstarter. Don't wait till Genesis the last minute. McKay. Do it now, because you don't want to let this go until the last minute and then have her not make her goal, because we would all be sad. We are putting it over. We are going to get stretch goals. Yes! <laughs> I really want to make the, um, there's uh, some really cool enamel pins. I would really love to make, get those made. And um, and I really want to make the music video happen. So <laughs> I so, would love those stretch goals. But right now I'm just focusing on getting to the goal. Mm. So you've been singing in Klingon for quite a while now. Tell us how that started. Briefly. We've talked yeah. on it. We've, we talked about it the last time, but for, for those uh, who are tuning in now and haven't heard the previous episode. Yeah, so I I was sort of roped into helping out the Improvised Star Trek podcast uh, back in 2013. Uh, they needed somebody who could sing and who could sing in Klingon. Uh, and uh, my name came up. And I recorded Hitchop, which is Kiss Me by Sixpence None the Richer, entirely in Klingon. Mm -hmm. We made a little music video. It was supposed to just be background for the podcast. And we were, I don't know who even suggested we should make a music video <laughs> once it was over. But somebody did, and we did. And it went modestly viral. And... um it was it, it completely floored us. We had no idea. Even today, I think it has 174,000 plus views <laughs> and over 1,400 thumbs up and only like 50 thumbs down. People really liked it. And uh, I'd been singing in bands and, and I ended up kind of finding out that other translators had translated pop songs and rock songs. And so I started try you know, kind of approaching them and 
uh, I ended up making the Klingon Pop Warriors first the the first DP in 2014 with the help of the incredible Kickstarter community and uh, Trek Star Trek community and Klingon community. And now I'm back again because I have more songs. Since I started performing at conventions after that EP came out, I needed to build out a longer set list of songs. So I started approaching translators for some new material, and I've built out an additional five songs. So, yeah. That's great. And this is a great list. There's Some of them just had a Klingon spirit to begin with. Some of them... What the hell were, they, were you thinking? <laughs> to read the list. Yeah. Okay, I got Twi- that- Twisted Sister. We're not going to take it. Oh, so very, so very Klingon. Uh, Danzig, yes. anything by Danzig. This one is Mother. Can you say that on the television? Yeah, I guess you can. Um, shush. Shush. Uh, Keisha Die Young. Kesha, yeah. Yeah, that one's really fun. Um, she's she's known as a party girl, and um, and and that that song "Die Young." I mean, the chorus of it is "Let's make the most of the night because we're gonna die young." Um, it's it's perfect, and it's it's about partying and and having a good time because the morning might not make it, and I don't think there's anything more Klingon than that. So, <laughs> or or any more 2016 post election than that. We're we're not going there. (laughs) Journey, Don't Stop Believing. Yes, I'm very excited about that one. Uh, It's actually a pretty literal translation of the song, which I think is sort of fun. Um, Yeah, Mm -hmm. I I, I just, I love Journey. And when I found out there was a translation of a Journey song out there, I, it was going on the album. (laughs) Okay. I actually, I, you know, we talked about Mother. I actually helped translate Mother. That was my, of the songs that I've performed so far, that's the first one that I've actually helped translate myself. Wow. So you re- know. You, you know the language really well. You didn't start out that way either. You you worked your way up into Klingon. You don't speak it like a native. It's true. <laughs> I am still by no means, uh, by no means fluent. I am, however, I've, I've gone to the, the, annual Klingon Language Institute kept off for the last two mm-hmm. years, their big annual meeting. Uh-huh. And this past year in July, one of the members challenged me. He said, next year, you are going to take the level one Klingon language certification proficiency test, and you are going to pass it. And so I am Klingon, and I am not going to let a challenge go unaccepted. So I have been studying my little butt off. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm excited. I I I love the the Klingon language community. They are incredible people. They are so supportive. And uh, the KLI, uh, you know, people laugh and, and they're like, "Why would anybody learn Klingon?" Most of these people are multilingual. They are amazing people. <laughs> And Klingon was something to learn that was good for a laugh. And I I just I love the I love the the fun that we have at Kepa and the everybody's so nice and and so spirited about it and and they love that they love that any you know that someone decided to do what I'm doing and you know anytime the language is is out there and gets put out there and 
Mm-hmm. It, it just it keeps people interested. And and I, I love doing something that's a little bit irreverent, but is still really utilizing the language. And, and I work very hard at I when I did Hitchhope originally, it was very important to me to get the language right. And that's really now that it, that was 2013, three years later, that commitment that I had in the beginning is has really paid off. Um, I I count some of these people as as good friends, and it's really uh, it's been quite a journey for me. It's um, you said you uh, you did the translation of Mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's we actually have that queued up here. There was a convention appearance. Uh, you were at, yes. uh, live at Capricorn uh, 36. Yes, it was this past February. Uh, it was one of my first, I think this was actually right after I had translated the song. And mm-hmm. this is the first time I was singing it in public. So, this, and actually my guitar player is the one who suggested it originally. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. He's kind of, he, yeah, there he's kind he is of with his hair. Dude, so I wanted to uh-huh. keep him interested. <laughs> You sure got Klingon hair. That's that's pretty wild stuff. That's that's awesome. <laughs> and, and it's uh um you sing it with such style and and uh uh, you you have such a solid voice. I mean, it, it's just it's a wall of sound. It's it's uh, <laughs> it's great for singing in this language. It, it thank you, thank you very much. I uh, yeah, one of the things that I, I've been really lucky at with the convention performances, especially, is the rooms that I've been able to sing in have been so great acoustically, mm-hmm. and people come up afterwards. They're like, you. Build this space, and uh, and some of that is theater. I have a background in theater, mm-hmm. so <laughs> it's uh, I learned I was I learned how to project, and and I have a background in in voice too. So so yeah, putting putting my voice and and out there and filling a room is what I was trained to do. So that's <laughs> the job of a starship captain. You are also played a role in the Klingon Christmas Carol. You were yes, that, you yeah, were the, the first two years. years it was here in Chicago. So were you Mrs. Cratchit or were you, you know, Tiny Tim or? <laughs> I actually Tim. was Mrs. Cratchit. Oh. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it was the, the Klingon Mrs. Tim, Cratchit. If, if she's Tiny Tim, you should think, see the big galoots playing the, the you know, the grown-up parts, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, and actually, that was the first time that I got to sing in Klingon because I, as sort of a a pseudo carol for the Feast of the Long Night, as we were, uh, uh, me and my daughter were setting the table, I was instructed to sing the Klingon warrior anthem, Koi Kalish Puklod. And so <laughs> uh, we came out singing Koi Kalish Puklod. <laughs> and um, yes. and it, it was really fun because... I had listened to some versions that of that song that I'd found online and mm-hmm. I was reading the words on I got the sheet music for it and I'm reading the words and following along and I could not find a single recording of that song that was pronounced accurately based on 
what I had been given. And so including the guys in deep space nine, right? (laughs) Oh gosh, bless, bless their hearts. Their pronunciation was, was oftentimes atrocious. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, we think of this stuff as canon, you know, it's like, well, that's how you pronounce it. Well, um, (laughs) Well, it's Klingon. It's Klingon. They figure there's nobody in the audience who will correct them, right? Right, right exactly. And then Lawrence M. Schoen comes along and <laughs> says, the Klingon Language Institute, and all of a sudden they're experts. Exactly. I love Lawrence. He's so nice. <laughs> he, is, he has been I, on. He's a uh, buddy of ours, and we had him on talking about his books. Yeah, so. who, uh, right before he was uh, uh, going in on the the Hugo Awards on. Um, he, he was he Nebula Award. The he Nebula Award nomination uh, for, for, for he he won both of them. No, he didn't win. He didn't win, but he was up this for year? award. Yeah, uh, last year. Uh, last for um, Barsk, the Elephant's Graveyard. Oh yeah, no, that was this. This uh, the ceremony. Was this year. The, the, the ceremony was this cast. year. The book was last year. Right, right. Yeah, but, but uh, yeah, I was. I was there actually. I so he got. Uh, I was. Um, <laughs> it's funny story about that. I got an email from because I also belonged to the Klingon Assault Group, and mm-hmm. my ship commander had messaged and said, "Hey, they are looking for people to come." in costume and help with the Nebula Awards. We, I was basically a Klingon trophy girl. Oh. And like, and uh-huh. We had, so we had a, a, he wasn't a stormtrooper. He was a, he was a, a, a Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. So he looked like, he looked a lot like Boba Fett and uh, from Star Wars. So we had him and then there was me in the Klingon uniform and we were helping the guests up to the, up to the the stage mm-hmm. and uh and then handing handing the trophies up to the people who were uh, announcing the different the different trophies so i had really hoped that lawrence did win an award that night i can't remember what it was for but yeah he didn't end up winning a uh, best novel women swept the nebulas this year which was awesome <laughs> well and and the hugos as well so yeah it was women from all countries too Yes, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, it was amazing. It's yeah. it's um, I, I like to think that it is uh, it is a sign that we as a culture are becoming more aware of our surroundings and how well we're in you know our, our place in the universe. Well, and there's also kick-ass science fiction everywhere. There is. It's in everywhere. Nigeria. This it's year, everywhere. actually, I'm friends with uh, Mitchie Troda. Mitchie is uh, one of the, uh, the the editors for Uncanny Magazine, and she and her, and then Alyssa Wong was the author who won. Um, she won a Nebula for, I believe, her short story. And there, the Alyssa was one of the first Filipina women to win. She's a Filipina American mm-hmm. woman to win a, a, a science fiction Great. award or write, you know, writing award, I think. And um, yeah, it was it was a great. And then with Mitchie, uh, Uncanny won uh, Hugo, I believe, for best um, semi pro semi pro zine. And so with with Mitchie there, that was that was also a big that was a big win. She was one of the first Filipinas to win a uh, a Hugo Award. So it was that's, a good year for. <laughs> yeah, it's really rather magnificent. 
kind of one in the eye for the people trying to take down the awards by stuffing the ballot box, isn't it? Right. And it, and that's just silly. A, you know, a friend of mine made a real. Uh, I actually I had the opportunity to interview Scott Lynch. I should say, uh, but I've talked to multiple people about this this topic, um, and and that idea that especially with the the world, with like the the big world science fiction uh, world con, mm-hmm. the world con. Yep. You know, it, it's in a different city every year, across the world. So no matter how hard you try to get a slate through with with those awards in the end it's going to be in you know helsinki one year and seattle the next and the people who go not everybody flies out you know out of country and the uh-huh. people who get to vote on those awards are the people who buy a membership and go to the convention that year so well, you can you can always- uh, you can buy a supporting membership and still vote that's that's the right. thing and you don't have to live in in europe to to buy one for the helsinki convention so this year, right. Hels- uh, the World Con's in Helsinki. The, nor- the oh, North- is it? Is it actually? I was just pulling that name out of my butt. I wasn't kidding. No, it, well, it actually is it. there. You knew it on some level. <laughs> but the North That's American funny. Science Fiction Convention, which is held when the World Con's off the continent, is in San Juan, Puerto Rico, which sounds like a great trip. Mm. And you do get to vote for the Hugos with that, too. As contrasted to Helsinki, which is, I think, where the devil washes his dishes. Helsinki. Uh, oh. <laughs> oh, we're going to get letters. <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, what do you have planned for the convention circuit in the coming months? Well, singing, where are you going to be singing stuff, singing, things. obviously singing, yes. but where are you going to be? Singing stuff and things. Well, I hope I get I hope I get December off after this. Um, mm. But I am doing so. The Klingon Language Institute will be at Starbase Indy at the end of this month over Thanksgiving weekend, mm-hmm. and Dr. Mark Okrand is going to be there as well. Ah. So he's been helpful to you from I, the sound of it. Yeah. So while I don't have an official performance with at Starbase Indy. The Klingon Language Institute is having a part where we're hosting a party suite. So Saturday night, I will be in the party suite and I'll be performing in the party suite throughout the night oh, and, uh, and attending the convention. Oh, that'll and be so fun. So that should be. So if you're Go attending ahead. that convention, you can see Jen Uselis McKay, the Klingon pop warrior, up close and personal. McKay or Mackay? Mackay? Mackay. Mackay. Yeah. It's Mackay. <laughs> Jen Uselis Mackay, up close and personal, and see her it's perform. True. You see, if they have a piano in the room, that that's cheating, really, because when a Klingon tickles the ivories, they're still attached to the targ. <laughs> ah. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, no, but I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to Starbase Indie. And, and one of the things that I really enjoyed, because I was just at WindyCon this past weekend, and... I getting to meet people who knew about the Pop Warrior project already before I showed up at the convention, who told me they'd already backed the project or were getting ready to back the project and, you know, had such kind words. It was I, I, you know, I hung out with people and chatted after panels. I did like four different panels over the weekend and and then at room parties throughout the uh, throughout the weekend. And, And it was so I was so honored to have people 
so excited about the project and and really uh, expressed that excitement to me in person and and to get to just talk to people about it. It's also really fun to go to a room party in you know your normal hair and glasses and street clothes and have having just talked to somebody earlier in the day but you're in your full klingon make it and makeup and then you have to reintroduce yourself <laughs> well, <laughs> no, really that just help yeah it's like I'm we just... were talking earlier i was the girl in the klingon makeup <laughs> yeah I mean, combat just so. help unless they say Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. Good, my father <laughs> yeah. prepared to well, die. How many Inigo Montoyas are really going to all show up? Really? Right. Yeah, uh, it was. Uh, it was really fun. So yeah, I'm well, doing that. Uh, Indy's great. It's a sci-fi town. The the fandom there's terrific. Yes. You yes. said so, uh, that's that, not far from Chicago. You yeah. said that uh, Mark Okrand had come to the last uh, one of these conventions and that you were at. No, it, it, is he? He's going to be. I'm at the sorry. Next he's going to be at the next. And one. I hope he has some more words and lyrics for you. Just... You said that uh, he had actually been help, helpful to you in uh, writing lyrics for uh, one of your translations. Well, it, no, he did not. He did not write lyrics. No, but he, he, had, he gave some vocabulary. Enough. He gave you. He gave you a little. He gave you something you needed. Yes. So one of the songs uh, that's going to be on this next EP is Somewhere Over the Rainbow. I have and trouble envisioning that. Here, here, Jean, since I have trouble envisioning that, why don't you play a little? <laughs> yeah, we actually have we actually have that queued up as well. And uh, this was also uh, a live performance. Uh, and it was uh, it was the same convention as the other one. It, Capricorn 36, was it? No, this I was actually I, I opened for improvised Star Trek. Uh, and uh -huh. we've seen them. So going very to hear people that night were very excited and, and I played for every single laugh I could get. So you'll definitely hear some laughter from the audience. Uh probably because I I make funny faces when I sing. Because mm -hmm. sometimes you have to do that to get the syllables out. <laughs> and, so with And I was playing I was definitely playing for the laughs because I was warming up I was basically warming up the, the crowd for improvised Star Trek. So <laughs> So um this piece is about three minutes long and with your indulgence we'd like to play the entire thing for the show. Certainly. <laughs> No. 
It's one of those things where you have uh, another room where you had great acoustics. Yes, I actually wasn't mic'd for that performance, and uh, and the room was just—it's it, a fun. It was a fun night. It was a fun room, mm-hmm. and uh, what you actually hear there. So this is kind of funny because when I sing it there, when you hear me sing "Rainbow," uh, it's actually a combination of three words: "bik," "ot," "wolf." Uh, Bik Ot Wolf. And Bik means water. Mm -hmm. Ot means photon. And Wove means bright or uh, to be light. It's a verb to be light or to be bright. So Bik Ot Wolf is a a bright water photon. Like, yeah, essentially. You don't get get a lot of those in space. Yes. (laughs) So we don't see that. So, yeah, so what you're going to, uh, when the album comes out over the summer at the Kepa, Dr. Okerin actually gave us a whole bunch of new words. And some of those words were around uh, science and uh, vegetation and uh, weather and stuff like that. And he actually gave us a word for rainbow, which is har'e. So when I record the song this weekend, you uh, when you hear it again, uh, or when you hear it in the future, it will be har'e. Which scans better. Thank goodness. That's yeah. going to be easier to say. Two sing. syllables instead of three. I know. The funny thing was, was that the translation was actually perfect. Oh, <laughs> As it was with the three syllables. And I had to kind of reteach myself how to sing it with the two. Ah. <laughs> um, but it it it's really pretty. So yeah, we in its was, own strange it way. It was it was pretty. It was really nice. We're going to be adding that to the regular lineup as soon as this the EP comes out. We're going to be playing all of that stuff that you can get on the EP. We're going to be playing it on Krypton Radio, and these are ones that you can get for your very own by kicking into the Kickstarter. So you can get your Yay. own copy early. Or you, once it's out, you should be able to buy it on. Uh, how do you how do you sell your previous album? Bandcamp. My previous my previous album is on is actually on iTunes and Amazon and Google Play. But this ah, one okay. I'll likely only put on Bandcamp. Um, the after having kind of dealt with that the first time, I've learned a few lessons. Mm. So what, so yeah, uh, I think I'm. What lessons have you learned? You know, for, for well, we've got musicians in our audience as well. So maybe yeah may- the uh, so so one of the things that comes with doing what I'm doing is I'm doing covers of songs and translations and so I have to pay for song rights mm. and mm-hmm. so a, a chunk of money comes out of every single song right off the top oh, from right. mm-hmm. for the song rights 
and it's more than you would probably expect. <laughs> and so I, I'm not really, I'm just, I'm not really making much. And so then what ends up happening like with iTunes and Google is part of those contracts is it forces me into their, um, their, their cloud, mm-hmm. their cloud system. So every time somebody buys the album, I actually, I get money for that. But every time somebody just streams it, I get a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a penny. And it's, it's why a lot of artists have, you've, you know, you've, there have been people who've started to sort of shun Spotify and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it just doesn't, it, it financially, it just doesn't make sense for me to be on there. I'm, I'm a far too small potatoes for that. So <laughs> yeah, Beyonce um, probably does all right. But right. uh, and no, nobody with less distribution than that. I see. I see how it works. So, so that's probably the one. The one thing that that will change this time is is I'll be on Bandcamp for certain, and mm-hmm. I'll probably stick with that, and and I'll have some physical CDs um, beyond that. As far as I can tell, I'm I'm pretty okay with the CBS Paramount stuff. So, you know, mm-hmm. Axonar kind of took a big poop in the fan creator sandbox. So I've been trying really hard to make sure I'm dotting my I's and crossing my T's. So <laughs> yeah, that, that the whole Axonar thing is, is just unfolding in unexpected ways. By the time this airs, there will probably be something different going on. I mean, we don't know, but, uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, I mean, the the latest thing I heard about it was that uh, uh, CBS demanded that Axonar turn over all of their emails, you know, down to the last Nat's eyelash. But they refused to do it themselves. And the judge called them on it. And now they have to show all the causality going all the way back, showing that they not only own the rights, but exactly how much they would be damaged by Axonar releasing their film, which is... Uh, which is none at all. Yeah, which is really. none at all. And that... Right, uh, yeah. You know. I, I mean, I, I have some feelings about the way that the creators of Axonar have gone about things. They really... They really screwed up in a lot of ways. But the... They There's risk, a lot of parts of the lawsuit that are like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the. Well, they risked everybody's livelihood on it, which, you know, without asking, which isn't cool. But on the other hand, they risked everything that they were doing. Yeah. And right. Well, they I mean, they shouldn't have gone out. They basically bought a film studio and they bought that film studio with the knowledge that they were eventually going to turn that film studio into a for-profit venture. Well, up until that point, most people who have done anything fan related that it it is, it is nonprofit. Like we're not making any money at this. We might not be a registered nonprofit, but we're definitely not making any money at this. Yeah. That's they got enough money that they were able to do that. The other thing that they did was open that store. They should never have opened that store. Mm-hmm. Where they started selling merch, but they had never really gotten any rights to do any of that. They were selling models of ships. They were, I mean, it was just, it got way out of hand. And how many years is it now? Where's my movie? I was a backer. Where's my movie? That, that's I don't a good want, point. 
Well, and the, I don't want models of ships and patches. I want my stupid movie. <laughs> right. Well, and the 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 flip side of that is that they did not actually buy a studio. They 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 leased a building so that they would have a place to put all this stuff because it turned out that owning, you know, lease, having leasing the building was cheaper than renting the facility to store the sets. Mm-hmm. Uh the uh the observation that they are setting themselves up uh as a uh uh you know as a full commercially capable production company i think is a valid one uh, because le- least building or not they're setting up an infrastructure that would be certainly capable of it and i i have questions as to whether or not they would say oh well this, this axonar's done now let's just dissolve this i don't think they're going to do that Right. But then what are they doing with that stuff? And I mean, you've got the people in upstate New Mm -hmm. York who are have basically turned their stuff with with CBS Paramount's blessing into a museum of sorts. Mm -hmm. Um, So Mm -hmm. Uh, James, I don't James Colley and and company. Yeah, Uh, I I never really got the impression that they were going to be doing something like that in L.A. They were there. No, that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> well, the, the other thing, the other thing that, that really, I think separates, uh, fans on, the, on this issue is that, uh, there's a big difference between, uh, how a fan group operates, uh, and how a nonprofit organization operates. A nonprofit organization is a legal entity and you'd be surprised at the stuff that you can get away with as a right. as a nonprofit that that uh that is kind of morally or ethically kind of skeevy when it comes to doing stuff in fandom right uh, it's uh like for example uh if you're a nonprofit up to 50% of your staff are allowed to draw a living wage from the money that they collect from the nonprofit and they are a nonprofit Right. So, yes, they are allowed to pay themselves salaries legally. You know, people who work for the Red Cross have, you know, are paid salaries, too. And no one. Right. Oh, high. yeah, absolutely. I think what one of the things that, you know, it, it, in the long run, and I, I mean, really, we don't want to get into this <laughs> in the long run. But, yeah, I, I mean, I don't begrudge anybody a salary, but at mm-hmm. what point does it stop being – is it no longer a fan production? That's, they, that's they a really, really stopped being a fan production. They really did. I think that's a really valid point. Well, and they don't have a movie to show for it. The, you know, Star Trek Continues has plenty of movie to show us, okay? Yeah, and every penny they got you can see on the screen. Every Renegades penny. has a movie to show us. Yeah. And Axanar – shot themselves in the foot well yeah. we'll see i mean ain't over yet they should have yeah, made their movie yet. i made a cd with 1900 dollars the last for my last kickstarter like mm-hmm. you know every penny i earned went straight into that entire project i made no money <laughs> you're, you're not so. driving a cadillac on that yeah, yeah. Well, nope <laughs> if she's not buying mama a tesla i can promise you <laughs> <laughs> So um, this is going to be your second album. I assume you're going to be doing more albums in the future. Have you have you uh, thought that far ahead yet? Oh, God, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it took two years for this one to come to, to, uh-huh. to do a second one. So although, to be fair, I did break my ankle last year. And so that kind of put a damper on a lot of things. So 
But I, and I hope I don't do that again. <laughs> May you endure the pain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I really did. Oh, was boy. I, you know, actually, I'm trying to remember when I was on with you guys last because I got some really crazy news when I was laid up, actually, about my recording of Let It Go. Yeah. From uh-huh. from Frozen. Yeah. Uh, I am officially the 47th translation <laughs> in the Disney archives. So. Goal. Yeah. I don't. I don't remember if I if I was on. Uh, That's bizarre. Then, no, the, yeah, she yeah. hadn't recorded it yet. We wheedled her into belting out a few bars of it. Yeah, it and was. I was uh, that was uh, February of last year. So yeah, it's it's been, been a while. I yeah I got an I got an email and I thought I when I first saw it I was like oh my god I'm being sued by Disney and it actually turned out that. They were congratulating me on being the 47th translation. <laughs> and would I send them some copies of the uh, CD to put into the official archives and a copy of the lyrics so that they could they could have it archived for posterity, um, which was great because 47 is actually a Star Trek kind of writer's joke number. Yes, so that yes, was pretty wild. I don't. And then know, I don't. Yeah, I got to be. Is... I, I'm basically a Klingon Disney princess now. So. <laughs> oh, there's. That's hysterical. I want Karen Hallian or somebody to draw that. Tell me, tell me what forty-seven means in Star Trek mythology, because I don't. It's... I don't know. Yeah, it's it was an inside writer's joke. And so it was it happened, I believe, during Next Gen. Mm-hmm. So like if they would be standing by a Jeffrey's tube, it would be Jeffrey's tube 47. And if they were it would it so it became like this thing. If they had to go somewhere, it would be, you know, 47 this or, you know, over to 47 Jeffrey's tube and, you know, Jeffrey's tube 47. Like it became like this little thing. And, and the number 47 would crop up in episodes no, so. like like, oh, Let's think of a random number in case we need one in the future. Right. If you're into Weird Al, Weird Al is Weird Al's thing is twenty. The number twenty-seven uh-huh. crops up all over the place in Weird Al stuff. Um, yeah, it's sort of the same thing. It's just this little like random, this little random joke that just crops up in places. So, so yeah, it was really funny. And actually, I've done Extra Life for the last two years, which is a, ch- a twenty-four hour gaming marathon for charity for children's miracle network hospitals and if i raise 400 and set uh, both years i raised 470 dollars before the day of the event and so i did my i did a large portion of my 24-hour live stream and i actually streamed all of my gaming on twitch with my and you could see me um along with my game and I did my makeup and wore my Klingon makeup for uh, like half of my 24-hour stream. <laughs> were you playing Star Trek Online? What you know, playing? I wasn't. Oh. I have tried to play that game, and I find the 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 commanding of ships in three-dimensional space beyond my my fingers capabilities my i banged my keyboard so hard my husband thought i was going to break it i was getting so frustrated with the the turning and the moving around and so i stick to i like first person shooters and i like uh where you can think in two dimensions so (laughs) where you can think in two dimensions at a time yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was not uh, playing in three dimensions. My, my time playing STO was not good. Have you ever Have you ever <laughs> tried the Artemis Bridge Simulator? Have you ever played with that? 
I have not, but we, my husband and I have been talking about that. And there's a, a convention here in Chicago called ValorCon, mm-hmm. and it's only a couple years old. It's a, it's a gaming convention, tabletop, role-playing, video games, console, uh, PC console, what have you. And they have had Artemis Bridge, Bridge Simulator set up, and they have two full stations set up for it. So oh. that you can actually battle. Two ships can battle against each other, All I guess. Right. That's, the game. that's the way to do it. That's the and way to do the, it. Last, it wasn't this past year, but last year, Improvised Star Trek actually did where like all the guys from from improvised star trek commanded one of the ships and i can't remember who they were playing against but it was the guys of improvised star trek against another local uh another local uh fan or or geek group and i'm pretty sure that improvised star trek kind of got their butt handed to them (laughs) is so so funny because the Sisyphus is the world's worst ship. Like it's supposed to be <laughs> the name. worst starship in the fleet. And so the fact that they lost was really quite fitting. <laughs> uh-huh. The Sisyphus. <laughs> but I was also like, oh yeah, yeah. Their ship is the USS Sisyphus. That's perfect. Um, That's perfect. <laughs> oh, it's a brilliant, brilliant podcast. It's brilliant. Um, they, but yeah, I, I think they, I'm pretty sure they lost and it, it wasn't pretty. And I was like, well, I mean, if you guys had won, it really would wouldn't have time. followed the, the linear nature of your show. So <laughs> <laughs> it's times like this, it has to be non-canonical, you know? <laughs> right. The thing about, um, the thing about Artemis is that it also is essentially a, a, a 2D game. You know, your, 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 your visuals are in 3D, of course, but the playing field is two-dimensional. They don't have the third dimension to worry about. Well, people haven't gone to Starfleet Academy to learn 3D navigation. Well, while, while that's true. That might true, actually help me. I might be. I might suck less playing that than yeah, I yeah. <laughs> did playing STO. I mean, in, in um, uh, uh, Star Trek The Wrath of Khan... Um, uh, Kirk remarked upon this, didn't he? He did. You know that uh, that that Khan was a great strategist, but a two dimensional thinker. Mm. So he didn't think in three dimensions. So Kirk had the advantage. Uh, there are other bridge simulators. There's one called um, uh, There's one called Empty Epsilon. Uh, which uh, which adds the third dimension. It's it's works the same as as uh, Artemis does. And then there's another one called Space Nerds in Space, <laughs> which <laughs> which that sounds like my kind of game. Yeah, and it's it's it was originally written for Linux, you know, so that you could run it on cheap hardware, and uh, and that one is also a three dimensional. Uh, uh, you, you do three-dimensional ship navigation in that. So they're, they're substantially tougher than Artemis. And I, I think uh, uh, for a first-time player, Artemis is definitely the way to go. Well, that and the fact that they have a full, full-on full Star Trek mod available for the game, which just makes it perfect. They, yeah, they used to do... Uh... 
my husband and I worked at the same company for a while and he was uh, he's a Linux systems administrator and him and the other guys on his team on Friday nights, they or Friday, not even Friday nights. It was like three thirty in the afternoon on Friday. They would have a conference room booked and mm-hmm. then they would all go up there with the projector and their laptops and they would be running <laughs> Artemis simulator <laughs> off uh-huh. of. Uh... <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so yeah uh, um so this is probably the part of the show where we try to wheedle you into singing and probably something we haven't heard yet oh gosh can i sing anything that i haven't done yet how about a little bit of a chorus of we're not going to take it yes please oh that'd be great yes that work um so Will not call without call. Call will not call without call. Will not talk call without your call. Call. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> that one's really fun. When I do it live, I get to have audience participation because on the whole, like, oh, yeah. we're right, we're free. I have everybody yell Maj uh-huh. instead of yeah. <laughs> That's that. <laughs> I would love to be there for one of those. Well, uh, you can get your your happy butt to Chicago or to Starbase Indy, and yeah, yeah. about the the closest we're going to be is is uh, Arisia, and yeah, we're going to overshoot considerably. Unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm crossing my fingers for next year. I want to do Capricorn again because that was mm-hmm. a lot of fun. It's mm-hmm. just a really fun fan run convention, um, and. I know some people up in the twin. I used to live in the Twin Cities, so I know people in the Twin Cities involved with convergence. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, that's usually the beginning of July. So I'm crossing my fingers I might be able to get up there for that and uh, and see if I can't wheedle my way in there. And uh, and yeah, and kind of go from there. I, I I'm I've already pre-registered for WindyCon again next year. It's it's one of my more favorite local conventions here in Chicago. Uh-huh. And uh, C2E2 is next year. This past year, I actually did an after party, an official after party for C2E2, which is one of our biggest. It, it's Okay, as unpack, far as, unpack that. C2E2 stands uh, for? Chicago. It's uh, Chicago Comic and Entertainment Expo. Okay. So C2, Chicago Comic, mm-hmm. and then E2, Entertainment Expo. Is it either that or a droid? I don't know. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And so, so C2E2 is actually one of our big – it's run by Reed Pop, and mm-hmm. it's actually in, city, in Chicago City proper. A lot of the conventions that happen happen out in the suburbs, and this one actually happens at McCormick Place, which is like a huge oh. convention center in Chicago. Well, Reed Pop and, can afford it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and they do, but they do such a great job. The they have a fantastic anti-harassment policy. They're super it's just, just they really work hard at being a safe convention for for cosplayers. Um uh, and the panelists, they they get all these fantastic local panelists uh, running all kinds of panels on everything from crossplay and, you know, how to how to how to cosplay as the opposite gender to panels on diversity in fandom and mentoring the uh, the next generation of, of geeks and, and stuff like that. And uh, it's just they, they do a great job here. Plus, they get a lot of really big name stars. I think last year we had Supergirl, um, Melissa Benwist and uh, and the girl who plays her sister. And this coming year, 
I'm, I'm trying not to look. It's actually C2E2 falls over my 40th birthday mm. next year. So I'm looking forward to to having a big nerdy weekend next year. I, I plan to cosplay as Jem from Jem and the Holograms. Awesome. On my, for, <laughs> on my 40th birthday. That's yeah. because it's like my favorite cartoon as a kid. So <laughs> anybody who dares say otherwise is going to get a butloff in the snoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you like no, uh, do you like the smaller conventions better or the bigger ones? I actually tend to like the smaller ones better. I do. Uh, the I like C two E two because they they've kind of managed to to make it still feel a little bit like the smaller ones, despite being absolutely crazy. It's like it's like a smaller convention with a way better merchandise floor. Oh yeah, the shopping um, <laughs> goes unparalleled. And so so that's pretty that's pretty awesome. Um, but I like I like kind of the. With, yeah, I, I enjoy the fan ones. The parties are fun, and you're with the big conventions. You're generally not staying in a hotel that's also part of the convention. Yeah, yeah, the party scene is not a thing. So yeah, it's not really about the parties. There's there's after parties and things like that, but it's different. And and part of what makes the fan the the fan convention so fun is sort of the the kind of twenty four hour nonstop craziness of the weekend. Um, yep. I was, I did shots with the Royal Manticorean Navy this year and <laughs> I pour, pods. hello, I pour the shots for the, uh, <laughs> the Royal Manticorean Navy in these here parts. And I had to learn how to do the layered drinks. Oh man. Roll pod. Roll pods. <laughs> Fire. Yeah, Fire. It, was, <laughs> it was super fun. They actually, Barfleet almost always wins all the party awards at WindyCon. It's sort of the foregone conclusion every year. And this Bar year, <laughs> yeah, they they do a lot of the conventions locally in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they're from the Midwest and they just do parties around the Midwest or, or if they, they travel and they do them elsewhere. Um, but they are crazy. I mean, they throw a good party. Don't get me wrong. But um, this year, the awards for best party at WindyCon really got spread out and it was really nice. And the Royal Manticorean Navy actually won the best party uh, award. And I was really proud of them for cool. that because it's like, yeah, somebody else won besides Barfleet. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, yeah uh, those shots were delicious. Oh, they are. Oh, it's like a little cinnamon roll. And then you try to stand up and find out that someone has taken your knees. <laughs> <laughs> because it's like it was, that. Maybe because I had already been drinking. I did, it, didn't, it didn't quite do me under, but it was a good shot. <laughs> uh, what can I say? I did get the last one of the – it was the final one of the weekend, too. The group that of 13 that we did, that did our um, – that did our round. We that was the last of the the last of the booze for that particular shot. So, oh, we may have to like publish a link to the to the uh, missile pods for uh, this article for this show. <laughs> I'll get that to you. Later. So good. It is so good. I'm not super into. I'm not generally super into shots, but that was a tasty shot. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> well, Janusellus Mackay, I thank caught you. myself this time. Janusellus Mackay, thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of The Event Horizon here on Krypton Radio. Mush! Uh, yes. At Kickstarter! If, yes, the Kickstarter. If you're, for the Klingon Pop Warrior! 
if you're listening to this now, look up the Klingon Pop Warrior on Kickstarter. The campaign is currently running. It's just got a few days to go. Uh, she needs some help to get the push over the top. She needs to get that new EP done. And everybody wants that music. And you want that music. So donate now or die without <laughs> honor. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us. We're so happy to have you back, and we hope to have you back again, and maybe not wait so long this time. And if you do non-Klingon content for your next album, we want to hear it anyway. Oh, well, thank you. Shakyoku. I thank you both very much. Mm. <laughs> uh, I Yeah, Klingon, if you go to com. Mm-hmm. You can, uh, there's a link to the Kickstarter there. You can click on the little Kickstarter symbol and it will take you to the, uh, take you to the Kickstarter. And I'm sure you guys will put stuff in the show notes. Um, if, oh, that, yeah. if those, ex- if those are a thing and yeah, I, uh, I'm so excited to be doing another, another EP. I, I've been working with my guitar player now. We've been doing conventions for, for a year at conventions and performances for, for over a year now. And, uh, you know, we're we're ready to get into the studio this weekend. It'll be a lot of fun. It's going to be great. And you learned so much from the last time you did an EP. I really did. <laughs> so, Lessons so it's learned. Be better so... merch this time. So way better mm-hmm. swag, T-shirts and pins and like all kinds of posters and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been great. And we look forward to uh, we look forward to seeing the finished work. Thanks. You have been listening to episode 153 of Krypton Radio's weekly production of The Event Horizon for November 19th, 2016. We are back after taking most of November off, due in part to the tumultuous 2016 United States primary elections and all of the turmoil surrounding that. Your hosts have been Susan Fox and Gene Turnbow, and our guest this evening has been Jen Ucellus Mackay. Klingon Pop Warrior. She has a Kickstarter running right now for her second extended play album, sung entirely in Klingon. If you can possibly help by contributing, please do so. We've put our money where our mouth is and contributed ourselves. This episode will air again on Sunday, November 20th, 2016 at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, and two more times on the following Thursday and Saturday mornings at 4 a.m. Pacific, 7 a.m. Eastern. Once all the airtimes have passed, you will find this episode and others on iTunes, Stitcher, and our own website at kryptonradio.com as podcasts. Krypton Radio is substantially listener-supported, and if you enjoyed hearing the event horizon this evening, please consider becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash kryptonradio and donate now. Just five green pieces of paper a month, that's all we ask. If you are an artist, writer, actor, or other creator, and you would like to appear as a guest on the Event Horizon, please contact our production manager, Kat Carter, at catcarter.cryptonradio.com. The Event Horizon title sequence was written and produced by Gene Turnbow. The science officer was played by science fiction illustrator Mark Schirmeister. The engineer was Christian B. McGuire. The navigator was Christine Cherry. And the captain was voiced by science fiction grandmaster Larry Niven. This program except where copyrighted by others. In this evening's program, that was the case, uh, is copyright 2016 by Krypton Media Group Incorporated. The Event Horizon, it's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi.